Hello, and welcome to another episode of Movies, colon, they're pretty good. I'm your host, Travis Dudding, and today we uh, conclude our set-in-the-snow non-Christmas movie series with Quentin Tarantino's eighth film, The Hateful Eight. So, without further ado, let's get into it. So, we open on a great, beautiful shot of the uh, Teton Mountain Range in Wyoming, which is where this takes place. And we get the uh, opening credits over a uh, snowy, snow-covered statue of Jesus. And we get that Ennio Morricone score that I talked a little bit about in um, the Thing episode. But amazing score. Like, just so perfect i even have the vinyl right here um just great score uh very good at tension building and mood setting everything it's just you know it's everything that a score is supposed to do we see a stagecoach coming from the background into the foreground and it stops for a lone man out in the snow with a pile of dead bodies behind him uh and this guy is played by Samuel L. Jackson. The character is Major Marquess Warren. Basically, his horse uh, got hurt and uh, had had to put her down. Um, her, him, I forget. Uh, but the stagecoach is, you know, trying to get to Red Rock, uh, Wyoming. But there is a blizzard on their tail, and this is, you know, why everybody is kind of in a hurry and needing to hitch rides and stuff like that. So, but the uh, stagecoach driver says like, Hey, you got to check with my passenger. He paid for a private ride. So it's, it's up to him really. And so he goes and talks to the passenger inside. And this is uh Kurt Russell playing John Ruth, a bounty hunter and his bounty Daisy Domergu played by Jennifer Jason Lee. And, um, he's very like, you know, has his uh, rifle on him and everything. And it's like, Hey, hold it right there. Like, you know, put your gun down nice and slow. And, uh, what's your business? Like what, you know, what's going on? And they just kind of explain, uh, the, you know, major Warren explains it to him just like he did with the, the driver, but he does let him ride. And, uh, so while uh, load up the bodies on top and start uh, heading on their way. And uh, this is where we get a little more um, character building and backstory, all that uh, type of stuff. And we find out that, um, that this uh, Daisy Domergu has a $10,000 bounty on her head. Um, and basically it's, the reason that he's taking her to Red Rock is to get to hang there, you know, uh, f uh, collect the bounty and watch her get executed. Um, and then they just have this discussion on the difference between the two of them as bounty hunters, uh, you know, because all Warren's guys are dead and she, you know, he's got her shackled to himself and 
you know, keeping her alive. And then you find out that John Ruth's uh, nickname is the Hangman. And, you know, if wh- whether it says dead or alive, doesn't matter because he's going to he's going to make sure you hang. Um, I guess he likes to get the uh, satisfaction of it, I guess. But here we get a nice little needle drop, something that Quentin Tarantino is very good at doing in his movies. Um, but this is uh, Apple Blossom, Apple Blossom, Apple Blossom Jeans, Apple Blossom by the uh, White Stripes. And uh, you wouldn't think like in this like, you know, Western in the 1800s that this, you know, indie rock song from the 2000s would work, but it does like it. Like I said, he, he knows what he's doing and he's. Is really good at finding those ones that fit the mood like just perfectly. But after like a short little montage set to that song, then uh, we cut back to the inside of the stagecoach and like uh, John Ruth starts to ask like, hey, like, do you uh, do you still have it? And he's like, still have what? You know, the the letter, the Lincoln letter. And he's like, yeah, like I got it. And he's like, well, can can I see it? And He's like hesitant to to let him see it, but he takes it out of his pocket and shows him the letter. And you know, uh, John Ruth gets out his like reading glasses and everything, and he's reading it, and he and he starts to get like choked up, and, and he reads the last part out loud. He's like, "Old Mary Todd's calling." He's like, "Oh man, old," Mary. you know, just like he's like very moved by this letter, and you know, that as one probably would be from you know reading a. Uh, a letter from Abraham Lincoln. But uh, then he like uh, is showing the letter to Daisy who spits on it. And then after she spits on it, Warren punches her, which uh, makes her fall out of the stagecoach, but she's shackled to John Ruth. So he flies out with her. But while they're uh, arguing and whatnot about this, and um, the stagecoach says, like, hey, like, there's someone else out on the road, like, you know, by themselves. And then now now John Ruth's, like, extra um, suspicious because he's, like, assuming that it's somebody who's there with uh, uh, Major Warren and that or that it's some, you know, plot to to let Daisy go and all this stuff. And, you know, so he makes, he makes Warren put cuffs on, which he's not too happy about, but he does like oblige. So then we meet this uh, new stranger out on the road and it's, uh, he introduces himself as Chris Mannix and that he's the uh, new sheriff of Red Rock. And uh, he's played by uh, Walton Goggins. But uh, one funny line is that once he, like, realizes that uh, it's John Ruth and it's uh, Major Warren, he's like, oh, y'all having some kind of bounty hunter picnic? And um, I just thought that's a funny line. Uh, But we uh, come to find out that uh, he was uh, part of the Rebel Renegades, which is a group of Southerners that kept, you know, fighting after the war was over, you know, so sore losers. And, um, but we also find out that, uh, Major Warren during the civil war had a $30,000 bounty on his head. 
and it like slowly lessened over the course of the war, ending with like a five thousand dollar bounty. But you know, no one ever caught him and all that stuff. But it was it was put on him by the South, like not just uh, from the law, just you know, upset Southerners basically. But the reason that he had a bounty on his head is because he was uh, in a, uh, a prison camp in I forget. I forget which prison it was, but um, basically, like, to escape, he burnt the prison down. And so the um, Confederate army put a bounty on his head. And but then, you know, we also find out that uh, it wasn't just Southerners that died. It was also Union soldiers as well. And so the he basically. He got away with it. For the most part, but you know, he also got like in trouble. I mean, it's it that still happens in the military, like especially when you're an officer, uh, you get in trouble, but not that much trouble. Um, so they established earlier that they weren't going to make it all the way to Red Rock, um, because of the blizzard. But uh, there's a place that they're going to stop called Minnie's Haberdashery, where they do stop. They get there. Um, they're greeted by uh, someone uh, introduces himself as Bob, um, and they're like, "Hey, like, where's Minnie and Sweet Dave?" And they're like, "Oh, they're not here. They uh, left me in charge for while they're gone." And but um, Bob, Obi, the uh, the carriage driver, um, and then Chris and Major Warren all. Uh, put the uh, horses and uh, carriage away and all that while uh, um, John Ruth and Daisy go inside. Uh, they uh, have to kick the door open. Um, like they're trying to get in and there's like voices inside yelling, like you got to kick it open. And then, uh, so they kick it open and then, then they're yelling at him like, you got to nail it shut, you know? And uh, there's, you know, a lot of overlapping voices all saying the same thing. Uh, and so, yeah, there's like a pile of wood and a hammer and nails next to the door. They, you know, have to nail two pieces of wood just to keep the door shut because someone broke the latch or whatever. So John Ruth's trying to get like a, uh, you know, a rundown of like who's all there. And so he's got to talk to like every single person because he's already like a very suspicious person. But just the fact that he's got this uh, famed ten thousand dollar bounty person with them you know he's assuming that someone's gonna try to break her free so uh we're first introduced to uh oswaldo mowbray and he's an english gentleman played by uh tim roth and he's very uh skeptical of uh of john ruth and he's asking him a lot of questions and he has to see like his papers and stuff to prove that you know that he's not just like kidnapping this woman. And he, so he shows, shows the bounty and then he uh, says that he's going to be the, uh, or is already, I forget, but he's the hangman in red rock. So basically, you know, he's the one that's going to hang her once she gets there and stands trial and everything. So now we see the uh, other guys outside. They're putting the horses away. Um, Bob and major Warren uh, take care of the horses while, Chris and OB make a, uh, a line, um, basically cause there's going to be a blizzard. They need like, uh, 
a bunch of like stakes like every 10 paces with a rope inside so that way they can uh like hold on to that and not get lost in the in the blizzard and basic all that stuff um so yeah they they basically split up and two guys are doing that and two guys are doing that and they basically have a line from the the house to the barn so they could check on the horses and then another one from the house to the outhouse so they can go take a shit so cut back inside and uh uh oswaldo mowbray and john ruth uh, and daisy are having this uh conversation about the difference between justice and frontier justice and he's saying that like you know if um you know you you know say you're guilty you murdered people and uh this guy's bringing you to red rock you stand trial they find you guilty and i hang you that's justice but if the family of the victims were to come barge into this this establishment and take you outside and kill you themselves that would be frontier justice and basically saying that the difference between it is that the the hangman is a uh, um, a disinterested party basically so there's no emotion in it and it's like basically saying that the only difference is the absence uh the absence or presence of emotion in the matter um and that, but also like saying, you know, he's just getting real philosophical about it. Like, you know, who's to say what's like actually like, yeah, in the eyes of the law, one, one's right and one's wrong. But, you know, morality might tell you another, you know what I mean? So then John Ruth notices the, um, one of the other guys in the corner who's been, you know, a little quiet and he's like, oh, I need to go talk to that guy and find out who he is. And, uh, this is, uh, um joe gage played by michael madsen and he's been sitting at the table writing in a book um the whole time they've been there and go talk to him he says he's writing uh, a memoir basically and uh says that he's on his way to red rock to or no he's going past red rock but he's gonna go meet his uh or go stay with his mom for christmas basically and john ruth's like you don't seem like the meeting your mom for Christmas type. And he's like, well, I don't know what to tell you. Cause I am, cause that's what I'm doing. And, you know, John Ruth's not really buying it, but there's no like hard evidence to the contrary. So, you know, he's kind of, he's basically just to let him know, like, I, I'm suspicious of you, but, uh, you know, I'm just going to keep my, keep an eye on you basically. So then he goes to talk to the uh, final person inside that he hasn't got to like meet yet. And as a older gentleman sitting by the fire, uh, and he goes like, Hey, like I, I forget what he calls him. He calls him something and he's, you know, lifts up his wrist and shows like the, um, insignia. He's like general. He's like, Oh, sorry, general. Like, and, but in, He's played by uh, Bruce Dern, and he just, like, tells him straight up. He's like, you're a hyena, and I don't want to talk to you. He's like, all right, fair enough. And then, you know, it goes and leaves him alone. Uh, then they're uh, 
this interaction's interrupted by uh, Chris and Opie coming back inside from the snow. And then we get the same exact, like, like you got to kick it open. You got to nail it shut. You got to use two pieces of wood, you know. And everyone's just yelling, like, over each other. And it's just complete chaos. But that will happen uh, at least one more time. But uh, once uh, those two start getting, like, settled in and warm and everything... Uh, Chris and uh, Mowbray meet and because they're, you know, going to be working together in Red Rock. Um, so they get to talk in, uh, and then at some point, um, Mowbray asks Chris like about if, if he has a letter from Abraham Lincoln and they're like, what? And he's like, what? I don't have a letter from Lincoln. And uh, Mowbray's like, I was told that you had a, letter from abraham lincoln and he's like and then daisy says like no the other guy the 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 black fellow but oh uh, that's not what she says but uh that's what john ruth says um but yeah you know it's not only is it a period piece set shortly after the civil war it's also a quentin tarantino film and so the n-word is used a lot unfortunately then we cut back to the uh, the barn outside, and uh, Warren and Bob are putting the horses up. Uh, Warren's starting to kind of interrogate Bob because he's a little suspicious, because because he's just suspicious of the fact that many, you know, one left, and two put anyone else in charge because like that's like her pride and joys this establishment. But then uh, back inside, uh, Chris recognizes the general and is like super excited to meet him. He's like starts fangirling out about him, I guess. Cause he's just a big Confederate army stand, I guess. And so, yeah, he's getting all excited, uh, gets to talking to the general, you know, asks like why he's traveling. He's like, Oh, it's, you know, my, my son lived out here, but he passed away and it's been a few years and I just wanted to come out here and like buy him like a, a nice plot of land at the cemetery in Red Rock. And, you know, that way he has like a nice burial and all that stuff. And after all this, uh, then Chris is like, you know, let, let's toast to your son and goes and gets some brandy from the table where Joe Gage is sitting at. And then shortly after the toast, uh, Bob and Warren come back in and then this is where we get the other time with them like yelling at him to, you know, kick the door open and nail it shut and all that. Uh, but as Warren's like getting his coffee and getting warm and everything, he notices a uh, piece of uh, like a red jelly bean on the on the floor and he clocks that and he looks up on a shelf and notices that there's jars of candy with like an an empty space where it seems like another one should be, but there isn't one. But he doesn't say anything. He just we we just notice that he notices. But he also uh, talks to Bob. He's like, "Hey, like, so Minnie must have like uh, laxed on the uh, no hats rule." And Bob's just like, "Hey, like, you're right. I'm not I'm not running the place the way that she would. But since there's a blizzard." I figure, you know, the I'd let, let it slide on the on the hats, and tomorrow we'll go hatless or you know whatever. He's just kind of playing it off, um, and then uh, Major Warren goes over to talk to the general, who 
you know, being a uh, Confederate general, isn't too happy to be talking to uh, anyone black. And so tensions start getting high, and he's like, they, he starts like yelling at him and stuff. And uh, then I think just to ease tensions, um, Os- Oswaldo is like, hey, like, why don't we just split the cabin in half? Like, this can be like there could be the north side and the south side, and then the dinner table is neutral ground, you know, and and everyone's just like, yeah, whatever. Like most most people don't care. It's basically just the general who's getting all uppity about it. And then Chris tells the general about the the bounty on his head on major Warren's head, like the old one that, you know, and he's like, that's the one I'm like, that's the guy right there. And, uh, but then, uh, John Ruth, major Warren and Daisy is there, but, uh, and OB is like, Hey, like, I know, like, cause they had made a deal. They're like, Hey, like, I'll help you protect your bounty if you help protect mine, you know? And, uh, so he's like, all right, I know someone here is working with her, you know, at least one person here, maybe two, maybe more, but I know like something's, something's not right. And like, so we got to trust each other and figure out who else we could trust. So then John Ruth makes an announcement. He's like, and it just announces this. He's like, hey, like, I I know someone is, like, trying to help her. So if no one wants to just come right out and say it, I'm going to assume all of you are. So let me have your guns. And, you know, he ta- and so he takes everyone's guns, and, you know, mo- for the most part, very reluctantly. When he's getting John Gage's gun, that's, that's who he takes first. Um and uh, Warren comes up behind him and holds a knife to his neck, you know. So gets all the guns and then puts them all in a bucket. Well, first he like breaks them apart and or takes them apart and then puts them in a bucket and has Ob go out in the snow and dump them in the outhouse. And well, and Ob is like, well, why do I gotta do it? He's like, because you still have your jacket on, and you know, I, I forget what the other reason was. So reluctantly, he goes and does it. Then Bob makes an announcement saying that the stew is ready. Um, so they start serving up. Um, Chris is trying to talk the general to go sit at the table and eat something. And he's like, I'm not sitting there with the N-word and, you know, all this stuff. And, you know, just being a difficult old racist man. And John and Daisy are having trouble eating when they're cuffed together. So... John gets annoyed enough to uncuff Daisy, uh, to like just while they eat, and but says like, "Hey, if you try anything, I'm going to shoot you." And then, so they're eating. Uh, Obi finally comes back in. He was like trying to get back in, but was just like f- freezing, and no one could hear him. But he finally gets in and like says like, "I'm not going back out in that shit again," and like pulls some cowhide off the wall and. Uh, wraps himself in it and just lays down like right in front of the fireplace. <laughs> and then uh, like Bob goes over and checks on him. He's like, you good? You want some stew? He's like, oh, I'll have stew later. Let me just get warm. <sighs> and then they start, uh, Chris brings up the, the Lincoln letter 
Uh, and then, so they're asking about it and, and he's like, man, do you really think that Abraham Lincoln, the president of the United States would be like corresponding with just a soldier, you know? And, you know, it's just like, and then John Ruth's like defending him and everything. And then, but then Warren admits, he just kind of laughs and says like, yeah, it's fake. And then, uh, uh, most of them laugh and everything. And even Daisy's like, that's a good one, Warren, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. And then, um, but then John Ruth's like super upset. He's like, it's like, what do you mean? You're like, that was a dirty, rotten trick. And he's like, oh, what? Did I hurt your feelings? And he explains like, hey, the only time that, uh, that black folks are safe are when white people are disarmed. And this letter disarms them. And he's like, call it whatever you want. Like, I think it's a dirty trick or whatever. And he says something like, it's something, you know, super general and racist. He's like, it's like, you know, they're right about you people. You can't trust a word that comes out of your mouth. And he's like, hey, like, it got me, like, this letter got me on that stagecoach. You know, I would have been dead if it wasn't for this letter. So, you know think whatever you want. And, and I know you don't have the experience that I have to understand. And, you know, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt, but it worked, you know, and maybe, you know, if you think about it, you might understand why. So major Warren gets up and, uh, gets a refill of the stew, but then gets another bowl and takes over the general. And he's like, Hey, like, you know, can I, uh, you know, you mind like uh, if I sit here and share a bowl of stew with you and or, you know, said something. Uh, oh, yeah. Then Chris is like, hey, like you leave him alone. And he's like, hey, like I shared a battlefield with this man. And and then he turns to the general. And he's like, or would you deny me that, too? And he's like, no, I suppose you were there. But he's a little hesitant. But then like. I guess has like a little bit of respect for him at least, you know? Um, and then, uh, so he sits down across from him and then, uh, Bob goes over the piano and starts playing uh, silent night. But the two of them start to talk about, you know, life. he's like, Hey, like how's life after the war? And like, you know, it's, you know, it's good. And he, you know, says that, you know, he had a wife and, but she died. The general saying this and, like yeah like uh we're both from georgia and you know she was just a great wife and you know just talking to like all this stuff and just about his family and everything but then uh i I forget who brings him up but uh warren says that he knows uh the general's son and he's like what like you know my boy and but, like, since he doesn't know, like, what happened to him when he died and all that, he's just, like, desperate for any information on that. And he's like, yeah, I know your son. And I know, I knew the, I know the day that he died. And he's like, what? Like, like, you know, then he gets up to walk away and the general grabs his arm and he's like, hey, like, like, do you really know my son? Like, and he's like, you know, the day, you know, when he died or he's like, how would you, would you like to know? And he's like, yeah, he's like, it was the day he met me. And then right after he says, it was, you know, it was the day he met me, 
takes a pistol out and puts it on the on the chair because earlier i forgot to mention this uh when like tensions were getting high and they're yelling at each other um uh warren like kind of pulled his gun out or like went for his gun and they're like hey like everyone's like hey calm down you can't just shoot it on our man you know and all that stuff and and uh Ruth says something that's like, yeah, that's the thing with these old guys is uh, you can push them down the stairs but and say that they fell, but you can't shoot them. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, he started to get him riled up and, you know, gave him a gun. So now he's not unarmed. And he starts to say how uh, a bunch of people came uh came up into Wyoming looking for him because of that bounty that was on him, including the general's son. And then he's talking about like how he was, uh, you know, but you know, most of those guys died cause you know, they either didn't find me. And if they did find me, then they ended up dead. And then he starts saying how, like he started like, Hey, like, just let me go. And I'll like, never, I'll never come back and all this stuff. And then, He's saying how he made him strip and it was like a cold, cold day, like a cold blizzard and, and all this stuff and uh, made him strip naked and walk through the snow and all this stuff. And then how he started like begging, not for his life and or anything like that, but was just like begging for a blanket just because he was just so cold. And that's like all he could think about. Then he says, like, well, he was begging, and he said he'd do anything for a blanket, so I made him crawl through the snow, but you know, butt-ass naked, and basically, and suck him off, you know, and, uh, but, you know, he's being real funny about it, like, and he's, you know, just trying to get, get the general worked up, and he's like... It's like, yeah, he sucked on that warm black dingus and, you know, all this stuff. And then uh, basically works him up to where the uh, the general grabs the gun to go shoot him. Like, he actually does pick it up. And, you know, he doesn't just, like, reach for it. He picks it up and aims, but then, you know, Warren's way faster. So, you know, shoots the general dead. And now it's self-defense. So he shoots him, uh, and Bob quietly shuts the the lid on the piano and fade to black. And then we get like the next like chapter because there's uh like chapter introductions on at the beginning of these scenes, uh, and then this one's called Dahmer Goo's Got a Secret, and uh, we come back on with a narration from Quentin Tarantino talking about what's going on. He's talking about how they're you know, taking uh, the general's body out to the snow and all this stuff. Um, but the most important thing that gets mentioned is that uh, while all this was going down and the general's getting riled up, Daisy or someone poisoned the coffee and Daisy's the only one that saw it. So after the narration's over, Daisy asks uh, John, because she's still uncuffed, and she says, hey, like, can I go play that guitar over there? And he's like, yeah, whatever, just don't, you know, no funny business, you know, I'm still, because I'll still shoot you. And then um, 
So she goes and picks up this guitar and starts playing uh, a song called uh, Jim Jones at Botany Bay. And while she's playing, we see uh, John Ruth goes over to the coffee pot, which we know has been poisoned. And Daisy knows that's been poisoned. And he pours a cup for himself and a cup for OB. She keeps playing and singing, and uh, we see both of them drink the coffee. And she also notices that John drinks the coffee and kind of has like a smirk on her face. And then he comes over to her and he's like, hey, like, you know, that's the song you like to sing uh, in the carriage, huh? Like, it's it's actually kind of pretty. Does it have another verse? And she says, yeah. And she starts to sing it, but then it starts to have like some like stuff about John and she she ends with the line that says, and you'll be dead behind me, John, when I'm in Mexico. And then, so this is like, all right, that's it. And he picks up the guitar and smashes it. And so some interesting trivia that, I mean, I think a lot of people know, but maybe not. Um, But, uh, so the guitar she was playing was actually a an antique, like actually from the time period in the late 1800s. And the way it was supposed to go, like, yeah, he's supposed to smash the guitar, but the scene's supposed to cut, and then they switch the guitar. Um, I guess someone didn't tell Kurt Russell this, but or he forgot, or, you know, or what, I don't know. But... So you could actually see Jennifer Jason Lee break character during that scene because she's like, hey, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, you know, when he smashes the guitar and she like even like looks, you know, not at the camera, but like uh, like probably like the prop person or, you know, someone Tarantino. I don't know. But, you know, you, you could tell like she's a little out of character, but I'm glad that they left it in because it still fits. But um yeah just oh that that just sucks you know because you just destroyed this like artifact you know but it happens you know i mean like the value was definitely covered and everything but you know then now that's just gone forever but then uh chris goes and pours himself a cup of coffee but right before he takes a sip uh John Ruth and OB start vomiting blood, just like projectile, like, you know, it comes out like all over the table. And then, uh, you know, basically saved his life. And then, but, you know, he's still like about to drink it. And then, but John Ruth, like, as he's like dying, says like the coffee, you know, and then so Chris like pours it out real fast. Um, and then uh as um as John Ruth is like vomiting blood, Daisy like turns to him and like looks him in the face and smiles and says, When you get to hell, John, tell him Daisy sent you. And then he punches her and they both like get knocked to the floor because they're still cuffed together, or they're cuffed together again. Um and Basically, like, wrestle uh, is like wrestling with her, and he gets on top of her and like barfs blood like right on her face. And but then she, during this time, grabs his pistol and shoots him. So, 
you know, I mean, I guess puts him out of his misery if you really think about it. But but then uh, before she could shoot anyone else, uh, Warren comes up, puts the gun to her head and is like, give me the give me the gun or I'm going to blow your brains out right here. Um, so she gives him the pistol and then he has everyone, you know, everyone but her because she's cuffed to a dead body get up against the wall. And so they all go up to the wall and put their hands against the wall. And then um, once they're all there, he has uh, he has Chris. He's like, Chris or Mannix, whatever. Come over here. And uh, he's like, take my pistol. And he's like, well, point it at them. And then, you know, he's all confused. Like, okay, like, am I not in trouble too? And then he's like, uh, but yeah, he basically knows that um, the reasoning is like, hey, like someone poisoned that coffee and I know it wasn't you because you almost drank it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I just still don't like you, but <laughs> I know you didn't poison the coffee so I could at least trust you a little bit. But he's like, hey, like someone poisoned the coffee, obviously. And there's a couple other things that are kind of funny here because like I know that that's not mini stew. And he's like, and he says, like, my mom, you know, made stew and like she, it always tasted the same. Like you could just tell that it was her stew. And my uncle also made stew. And, you know, I also had that my whole life. And, um, while they like, you know, they were both really good. I could always tell the difference. Like, you know, I could tell my uncle Charlie's stew and I could tell my mom's stew. And he's like, even though it's been six months since I've had mini stew, I know for a fact that ain't mini stew. So, or no, that is mini stew. Um, so if you say that Minnie's been gone for a week, then why is her stew fresh like today? You know, so I know. So that means she made it this morning and that her and sweet dave are somewhere dead out back and then he goes over to uh sweet dave's chair and you know also points out that if he was going anywhere that he would have taken that chair with them and he lifts the uh blanket off of it and there's a blood stain and he's like and that's sweet dave's blood right there so but then uh bob's like because he's you know he's putting he's putting most of this towards towards bob and because the Bob's one that said that he made the stew and like all that stuff. And he's like, he's like, well, he's like, you're throwing around a lot of accusations, but, but I couldn't have poisoned the coffee because while it got poisoned, I was over playing Silent Night. Zet says, uh, I know you didn't poison the coffee, but you're working with whoever did. And his final piece of evidence is that the, uh, like, if you've been, working here then you would have known about the sign that used to uh hang over there on that wall right there and it used to say no dogs or mexicans allowed and um and it hung up there until the day she took it down and the reason she took it down was because she started to letting dogs in basically that many didn't like mexicans and there's no that the, there's no reason why that's given um but, you know, and Bob being Mexican would mean that, like, there's no way that she would have hired him because she was racist against Mexicans. So now that he's, like, 
given all the evidence he needs in his eyes, he shoots Bob and kills him right right then and there. Uh, shoots him to the ground and then goes over and uh, blows his face off, basically. But now they're like, okay, so who did poison the coffee? And Chris, like, just already doesn't like Joe Gage. So he's like, I know, I know, I know who did it. It was him, like... And uh, he 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 admits it. He's like, "All right, fine. Like, I poison the coffee because I think he's gonna just start like shooting or whatever." So he admits to it. Uh, after that, like right after that, the camera pans down through the floorboards, and we see uh, Channing Tatum in the basement, and he says, say bye to your huevos and shoots a gun through the floor up at uh major warren shoots him right in the crotch basically and that uh, he hits the floor and then and this whole next part all happens in slow motion major warren hits the floor screaming in pain uh oswaldo pulls a gun out and shoots uh chris in the leg chris shoots uh Oswaldo and he's on the floor now bleeding and then it uh cuts to another chapter thing and then it just says we get like a little card that just says earlier that day and um that's a stagecoach coming so we see the stagecoach arriving at minis um like I said earlier in the day four guys get out uh we recognize uh three of them as Joe Gage, uh, Oswaldo Mowbray, and Bob. But then the fourth one, Channing Tatum, we learn is named uh, Jody. And so the four of them arrive at Minis. Uh, they're driven by a uh, male and female uh, stagecoach driver team. Um, Minnie's there. Sweet Dave is there. Her husband, uh, Minnie being a black woman. Sweet Dave, uh, like an older white guy. There's another young black woman there. Her name is Gemma. Um, I don't know. And then also another uh, another worker there. I don't know if they say his name, but he's working outside. So as they're inside, uh, being all like sweet and everything, um, uh, we see that uh, Mowbray and Gage like kind of wink at each other and like give like a little signal. And then each of them asks uh, for candy. Um, Mowbray from Gemma and says, Hey, like, you know, I heard like you're the best jelly bean salesman in Wyoming or something like that. And, uh, asked for some jelly beans. And then, uh, Joe Gage is talking to Minnie and asking about the, uh, um, like hard candy sticks basically while, uh, and then Bob's over by, um, sweet Dave, uh, who's playing chess with the general, who just was already there when they got there. Um, but after uh, after they get their candy, or I think uh, she's still up on the ladder getting the jelly beans, but um, Joe Gage gets his uh, candy from Minnie. Minnie goes back and is talking to Jody, who's being all like flirty and gentlemanly to her and everything. Um, and then... Uh, Joe Gage is talking to uh, Six Horse Judy, who's the the woman who was uh, driving the stagecoach. And uh, basically, while everyone's kind of talking to someone, uh, 
they give the signal again and just start killing people. Uh, Jody, uh, Channing Tatum, he kills Minnie and the male stagecoach driver. Uh, Bob kills Sweet Dave. Uh, Joe Gage kills Judy and... uh, Oswaldo kills uh, Gemma, who's uh, standing on the ladder holding the jelly bean jar and gets shot, and then the jelly beans go everywhere. So that's the the missing jar and the jelly bean on the floor that uh, Warren noticed when he got there. So yeah, they kill everybody except for the general, who's still there, and then they're kind of talking to each other like, okay, like, do we kill this guy? And uh, I think it's... Jody kind of sticks up for him or um, maybe someone else does too. But uh, yeah, they like stick up for him because um, they, it makes it seem more realistic if there's another person there. And so Jody goes and talks to him and he's like, Hey, like this is the deal. Uh, Some guys come in with my sister and they're going to hang her. And we're going to save her. So, like, if you have any problem with us stopping that, let me know. And he's like, I don't care. I don't care about her. I don't care about you. I don't care about that guy. So just leave me out of it and, you know, and I'll stay out of it, you know, whatever. And so he's like, all right, you know, I'll, uh, that's a good answer. So you can, you can live, you know, just keep your mouth shut. And otherwise, one of us will kill you, you know? So they uh, they spend like four hours uh, just getting the re- place ready, you know, m- making it look like there's the one that are supposed to be there and cleaning up all the blood and shit. Um, oh, yeah, because Joe Gage also went outside and killed the, uh, the, the stable hand that was outside. Um, and he's like, oh, man, like whatever problem you had with with them like i just started working here it's that you know i have nothing to do with it but you know these guys are just uh ruthless killers so it didn't doesn't matter to them you know all they care about is their uh well their sister and or friend daisy but um it's cool because then we get the the scene where uh they first arrive um just from a different perspective. So we could see uh, this time that what we couldn't see before um, is how uh, they're kind of giving some signals to uh, Daisy. Daisy obviously recognizes all of them. And then, but she's also letting them know because Joe Gage is ready to shoot John Ruth right then and there while he was like getting coffee uh, and, but Daisy's like, kind of, you know, lets it know, lets it be known that the new sheriff of Red Rock is here, plus this other bounty hunter. And so they're not alone. And, you, you know, basically it's not going to be as simple as all that. So you need to be patient. Uh, so then we uh, get back to where we uh, left off uh, in the, you know, in the present of the story, and Major Warren's on the floor, screaming again in pain, 
and uh then uh he gets up on the bed and um we see that uh you know he's bleeding pretty bad um chris is bleeding pretty bad but he's like walking around with a chair for a walker basically and uh but he gets over to Major War inside, and they both have their pistols drawn on the uh, trap door to the basement. And uh, they're basically like telling uh, Jody down there, it's like, like whoever you are, like, uh, um, it's like, you, you know, come out or we'll uh, blow her head off, you know. And and he's like, all right, like, come out. It's like, but don't come out like too fast, you know, just, uh, toss your piss your weapon up first and so he toss uh or he like swings the door open uh he swings the door open real fast once they're like uh the they threaten to kill a sister uh so cellar door pops open um then they're like throw out your gun and so he throws out one pistol and they're like uh um and then they're like whispering to each other like uh he might have another pistol they're like throw out your other pistol he's like i only got one pistol and then uh warren's like well you better shit a pistol because if you don't toss one out then uh then i'm gonna shoot her and then you know here comes the second pistol he's like i don't see what i tell you so then they tell him to come up and he comes out with his hands up and he's sitting there and uh looks around and then he uh turns and sees uh his sister daisy and uh they smile at each other and you know, call each other like sibling names and stuff like that. And, uh, and as they're having this like sweet moment between like two murderers, uh, his head just explode. The back of his head just explodes because Warren is behind him and shot him in the head. And so he, and then falls back into the basement and, and Daisy screaming and they're like, why'd you do that? Like he was giving up and he's like, well, you took too long. <laughs> and then, you know, he's just like, you know, why, you know, what reason do I have to like be nice to you at this point? You know, plus he shot me in the nuts, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to let him get away with that. So then, uh, Joe Gage is still over against the wall and, uh, he tells, um, or Warren tells him like, Hey, like, why don't you sit at the table? Cause he just wants everybody like in his, then their eyesight, you know? And, uh, um, Oswaldo's like got back up on one of the chairs. Like he's still alive, you know, just very much bleeding to death. And, uh, so Joe Gage sits down at the table or I think he asks, like, can I sit down? And he's like, yeah, sure. Whatever. And so he goes and sits down. Oh yeah. And where he sits is, uh, where there is a hidden gun. We saw like during the montage of them getting ready uh, after killing everybody um, that one of them hid a gun under the table. So that way they would still have one once they've given up their guns. So then um, Daisy starts to uh, try to uh, negotiate with Chris saying like, Hey, like we'll let you go and you can make a lot of money by, you know, taking the bounty for, uh, you know, Bob over there and all that stuff. 
and he's like, "Oh, why would I do that?" And then she's like, "You're like we're we're gang members. We're part of the Jody Domingue gang, and like he doesn't know who they are, but uh, Warren does." And and he's like, "Oh yeah, he had like a fifty thousand dollar bounty, and all the members had a ten thousand dollar bounty, which explains why Daisy had a ten thousand dollar bounty." This is also where we find out like the the real names of a lot of these people because you know obviously they were just using pseudonyms and everything and pretending to be other people. Uh, so uh, Oswaldo Mowbray is actually uh, English Pete Hickox. Uh, Bob was actually Marco the Mexican and Joe Gage was actually, um, Grouch Douglas, you know, and some of them had like bigger, uh, bounties than, you know, 10,000. So, uh, Warren makes a point saying that, like, how are you going to get money off of Bob? Like I blew his face off. Like they're not going to know who that is. You know, this is obviously way before DNA, uh, evidence became like uh usable or even like detectable and then uh she's trying to say that there's uh 15 other gang members waiting in red rock and if if we don't show up then they're told to kill everybody in the town and all that stuff but and the the deal you know is like he gets to go free if he just kills uh major warren and just so Warren, like at this point, shoots her in the foot just to like shut her up and everything. And, you know, she's just saying like, hey, like, you know, the deal still stands. You just got to shoot him. And uh, but then when uh, so Warren shoots her in the foot, um, they uh, go, uh, you know, they try to go for him. And uh, they end up shooting Pete and Grouch, you know, because Grouch, you know, reaches for the gun and everything. And uh, but then Chris just, you know, continues to string her along, you know, after these other guys are dead. And then, you know, it finally just says no deal. You know, I'm not I'm not doing a deal with you. And then she's like, you're going to regret this. And that basically he's like. This whole thing is dependent on me believing that you have 15 men waiting in Red Rock. And I don't think you do because there wouldn't be so much desperation here if there was like other people waiting. And she's like, no, like you're, you don't know what you're messing with. Uh, my brother's got an army. And then he's like, bullshit. Like my daddy ran an army. He, 400 men for a lost cause and it, it's like it i like this part because it's you know he's like showing you know he's it's not just like pride and my dad like you know for because he admits like that it was a lost cause like but you know and all this stuff i don't know i i thought that was an interesting uh wrinkle to it but you know it's like you know, you don't know shit about an army. Like my dad ran an army, you know, 400 men, like, and I know like you don't have like 15 guys out there, but then after like he yells this and everything, he passes out in the middle of the room and it's, and then, so Daisy is trying to get over to him to like grab his gun. And, uh, Warren is stuck in the bed, 
uh, you know, he can't move because he's bleeding out. And he's just, like, yelling, like, you know, like, wake up. Wake up, like, you know, wake up, white boy. You know, all this stuff. And uh, she's, like, desperately trying to get over there. But she's still handcuffed to John Ruth. So she, like, gets to where she could get to, like, a, uh, like, uh, either like a machete or like a axe or something. I forget. And she just starts uh, cutting, uh, chopping his arm to where she could like pull, pull free. And now she's like got his arm like dangling from a handcuff and uh, trying to go for the gun. But right when she gets like mobile, Chris finally wakes up and shoots her. And um, but not like dead or like I. Th- <sighs> What does he? I think he shoots at her, but she doesn't uh, like he doesn't kill her right then. But um, uh, she's about he's about to blow her head off. And Warren's like, wait, 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 don't don't. It's like, what do you mean? Don't shoot her. He's like, why wouldn't I shoot her? He's like, for John Ruth, like, you know. He died, like, to make sure. And, you know, he not only saved our lives from the blizzard, but, you know. Uh, so we should like honor him by, you know, killing her the way that he wanted to. And, and basically like that shooting her was like too good for her. And, uh, so then like, uh, it cuts to them, like, uh, struggling to like pull her up on a rope. She's got a noose around her neck and they're like, got her like up around like the, one of the beams in the ceiling and, uh, Chris is saying, as my first and last act of uh, Sheriff of Red Rock, I sentence you to death by hanging. And, you know, and they're just like watching her die, laughing and smiling. And it's like, it's pretty like without context, it's like real fucked up. But then it's like, well, she, she you know, definitely deserves it. But, um, well, you know, if if the stories are to be believed. But uh so then after she dies, then they're just kinda just laying there, bleeding out and dying together. Um, but then like uh Chris says, like, hey, like you still got that letter? And he's like, Yeah, he's like, Can I see it? And, you know, Warren like struggles to get the letter out and they they've both just like accepted that they're gonna die. And um so he gets the letter out and uh, Chris uh, reads it out loud and uh, he gets to the part with the old Mary Todd is, uh, is calling. So I got to go. And he's like, man, that's a nice touch. And then, uh, yeah, and just kind of like zooms out. And it's like a weirdly beautiful, poignant moment uh, where two guys are bleeding out next to the hanging dead body of a woman and that they just executed plus like five other dead bodies. So yeah, then, uh, then it goes to credits and we get this like old, uh, country song and everything. And that's the end of the movie. So, um, but, uh, before like I wrap everything up, uh, I wanted to point out, cause I talked a little bit about it in the, uh, episode for the thing, how, uh, not only was there recycled score, like unused stuff for the thing that Ennio Morricone used for this, but a lot of the, uh, um, like a lot of parallels in the story and everything too, because 
I mean, A, you know, Kurt Russell in both. The Ennio Morricone score in both. Uh, it's a bunch of people trapped in the snow. You don't know who to trust and a lot of accusations and a lot of people end up dead. And it ends with two guys dying who didn't really get along throughout the the film, but are now like in it together and uh, like kind of on the same team and dying together, you know, just like at the end, it was uh, uh, Keith David and Kurt Russell. And then this one, it's uh, Walton Goggins and uh, Samuel L. Jackson. Um, I mean, you can even go as far to be like, Oh, one white guy, one black guy. I don't know if that's like, you know, was on purpose, you know, who with Tarantino, who knows it could have been, but um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I feel like there's a couple other ones too, but the, yeah, I, I've loved this movie. I got to see it uh, when it came out in the uh, special uh, 70 millimeter screening. So I got to see it with an intermission and it was the extended version, uh, which is the version that's on Netflix. But the way that, that it's done on Netflix is broken up into four episodes. Like it's a mini series, which is easier for people to watch, you know, like if they did, shit like that with uh like you know this year we had oppenheimer and killers of the flower moon both over three hours long uh but you know some people can't get over that hump i've never had a problem with the length of a movie like that like i mean a little when we're talking about going to see it in the movies that's one thing but but like when it comes to being at home like who gives a shit you know, you're going to sit there, watch a whole season of a series, but you can't watch a three hour movie. You know, that's just me. But, you know, I got, I know people have like ADHD and, you know, can't sit still or don't have attention spans. And, you know, it's just not for everybody. Everyone's different. So no judgment there. But I know there's a lot of people who make excuses that are very con- contradictory to their actions. But yeah, I got to see it in 70 millimeter. Uh, it had the intermission. Um, I wish I could. Uh, I have like a little like program that came with it too, which was always always like the real cool thing about going to see stuff in 70 millimeter because they make it like a whole big event and you get a program and all that. I have it somewhere uh, along with a Phantom Thread one. I don't know if I talked about it in the Phantom Thread episode. But uh yeah, this is, I think, the first Tarantino film that I saw in theaters. I'd say, like, it won't be the last, but he's only done one since then, and he's only doing one more, so, <laughs> you know. But I'll try to see the other ones, because, you know, a lot of theaters will do, like, uh, uh, screenings of older movies and everything. So it'd be cool to go see, uh, like, Pulp Fiction and shit like that. Um Especially it would be cool to go see something at the new Beverly in, in uh, L.A. because he owns that. Um, and then he just he just bought another one, too. I forget which one. Maybe the Arrow, but it might be a different one. Um, but, yeah, uh, great movie. Um, I know it's like one of his more divisive ones. There's a lot of people that really don't like this one, but I've always been a big fan of it. And I think um, – but I just like a, a whodunit or a mystery and – you know, and this is, it's one of those. And, uh, it's just really fun. Uh, great performances from everybody. And, uh, I just find something like new every time that I, I enjoy from it. But, 
uh, great movie. Uh, and, uh, so yeah, that's, that's it for that series. Uh, like I said, I was going to do one more because there is another Tuesday this month, but I'm going to do, uh, uh, my Oscar episode, uh, for the last, uh, episode of january because the nominations come out tomorrow so next week stay tuned for an episode about that i'll go through all the nominations and talk about which ones i've seen and my uh, feelings on them and you know all that stuff so uh if you're weird like me you'll find it entertaining and if you're normal then maybe that's the one you skip but hey uh thanks for watching thanks for listening uh please remember to like and subscribe or rate and review whichever applies to the platform you're consuming this content on and i'll see you guys next week thanks bye